So we are in our second week of our Illuminate series, and if you were with us last week, we, we kind of started off in a different place. We talked about Jesus and the temple and really driving out the things that shouldn't be there, you know, all the guys selling the pigeons we talked about, and, and how once he did that, then people came inside the temple and they were healed. And that's where some of us, well, a lot of us uh, Christians, we, we have a lot of darkness in us, right? There's some things deep down inside we don't like talking about, we don't like uh, even acknowledging that they're there sometimes, but to be honest, we all know what those things are for us, and those are big separating factors from our relationship with Jesus, because those are things that we're supposed to be the light, right? He's supposed to be the light in us, and we allow a lot of times darkness to just creep in. And we, we looked at Moses out in the desert, and how you know the, the Israelites were, were out there, and they were kind of griping and and grumbling and complaining, and so God sent snakes. Again, it wasn't snakes on a plane, it's snakes out in the desert. And the Israelites, they got bit, and they were really worried, and they're like, oh my gosh, what, what are we going to do? And so God told Moses to make a bronze snake, and he put it on a pole. But it wasn't just a pole, it was what, it's a standard. And so it's, remember, it's a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. It's the shape of that thing up there, right? A cross. And so they had this bronze snake up on a pole in the middle of the desert, and then any Israelite who was bitten or afflicted looked upon this stone, snake and was healed from snakes. It's kind of a weird thing to think about, but that's what I was. They look up at a snake and they were healed from snakes. And, and it just really paralleled Jesus for us later when he lived, hung up on a cross for us. And, and as we people, we human, look up to Jesus who is also God, we are also healed from human problems, right? Human mistakes, human error, all the shame, all the guilt and stuff, and, and any an eternity w- without Him poof, goes away. We're going to be talking more about that this morning. And then we finally finished up in John 3.16 and, and, and then Matthew, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world, right? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We're, so we're going to be examining, examining further diving deeper into that over the next couple of weeks and so I'm going to start off right in the Word today. We're going to look at three different scriptures, talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to dive off the deep end into a science lesson. So if you thought you were just going to come home, you know, and just it's going to be one of those Sundays, and Josh will talk for a little bit, and I really don't have to have my brain hopefully filled up with too much stuff. This is not that Sunday. So good news, you're here. Bad news, I see if you leave. So this is one of those... This is one of those Sundays where like, you were, we're in it together, and, and we're here, and it's going to be a science lesson. And I didn't like science or chemistry or any of that stuff growing up, so this has been like pulling teeth for me this week to try to put some of this stuff together. But hopefully you'll be like me and have a light bulb, no pun intended, but a light bulb moment this morning like I did studying this week for what God has in store for us. So let's start off in the book of John. The book of John, chapter 8. So you might want to pull out your, your iPhone Bibles and turn those on, the Bible app, or if you don't have a Bible, there's some over to your left underneath the prayer board. I'm sure someone on the end will be happy to pass those to you. And again, if you don't have a Bible at all, please put your name in that in permanent ink. Take it with you. That is yours. That is yours from this moment on. So John, we're in chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're just going to read one verse here. Verse 12. Jesus is in the, in the temple here and actually in the treasury, but he's saying, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's read that again together, all right? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light 
of life. And we're going to be coming back to this scripture later, so you might want to put a little marker in it or keep your finger on it. You might run out of fingers here in a little bit, but it's a good, good thing. So it was, Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows me will walk, not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I'm going to tie in an Old Testament passage as well. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And it, Psalm 119 is very, very long. It kind of goes through their, their alphabet, has a little letter for each thing so that they can remember it. From Psalm 119, verse 105. And I'm probably going to just find it and read it faster than you can, but it's right here. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Same thing or different than what we just read? Same thing or different? Same, right? But it's we're like, wait a second, your word is a lamp to my feet, right? And then later Jesus says, but I'm the light. So is the word the light? Or, or is Jesus the light? Both. We're going to go to our final scripture for this first section. Get back to the book of John. Back to the book of John, chapter 1. I love this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. There we see it again. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. He's made all this stuff. He's went their creation, and now He's actually here, and they don't want to acknowledge Jesus who He says He is. And sometimes... We don't either, right, in this world. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, maybe you and me, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So those are some scriptures I want to set us up with. I want those to be just rolling in the back of your brain today because we're diving into a science lesson. Y'all ready for this? I thought about having a whiteboard up here, but I didn't know that A, I could draw well enough for you to come across, um, or B, that everyone would be able to see. So I just want, to, I want you to imagine with me, all right? Imagine with me. Put on your think, like Forrest Gump, like think real hard, first pair of shoes. So just, you might be that, and so just think with me. I want you to imagine... Really quick squiggly lines, quick squiggly lines, and then they get wider, and then they get wider and wider. Everyone kind of got that? So at the top, squiggly, 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 as it gets lower, okay? And that's the electromagnetic spectrum, all right? That's at the top, that's gamma rays, that's then x-rays, that's then ultraviolet radiation, then it's what we have, the small, actually very small little section of what we call the visible spectrum. And that's what you and I see, right? This small little area of the visible spectrum. And after that, it keeps going. The, the wavelengths get longer, right? And then we have infrared, then we have microwaves, and finally we have radio waves. And that's the light, the electromagnetic spectrum from busy, 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 busy wavelengths that we can't see, because they're going too fast. And then we have this small little section of wavelengths of light we can see. That's the visible spectrum. And then the wavelengths get slower, and we can't see. All right? So we have all those faster. If you've ever wondered, maybe this is like, again, one of those light bulb moments. Maybe I didn't 
Maybe you didn't like physics or science, and you were like with me, and I was like in the back of the class, like t- taking notes, or maybe I just breezed and didn't have it like, the good as science teachers, but like I was kind of intrigued. This like, oh, hey, look at that. That's your wavelengths. And if you've ever wondered, like, well, why can't I see those things? Or how can a camera see those other things? So remember, faster wavelengths, and then you have ultraviolet, right? So it starts out violet, then you have blue, green, yellow, orange, red as the wavelengths get slower. So at the top, You've got these faster wavelengths, and anything that's faster than violet is what's called more violet than violet, and we get the name ultraviolet. It's more violet than violet. In other words, it's above violet, and you can't see it. Now, ultraviolet is real. Obviously, we know that. You know who, what ultraviolet does? If you've ever lived in Florida, and you went to the beach, uh, nice day out at the beach, you come back with a what? Seashells. You come back with a sunburn. You come back with a sunburn. I love building sandcastles. My wife will tell you, and it's kind of, she's embarrassed every time, but when I go to the beach, I'm for reals. And I got my, I got my little pale veil there, and I got little, that's, that's just what I do. And I make sand animals and sandcastles, and I go to the beach, I'm like a four-year-old. I'm just like tossing sand around. That's so, don't go to the beach with me unless you're up for that type of, so you come back from the beach, you get a sunburn, and that's the ultraviolet or the UV rays that actually, that energy that's coming into your skin and, and doing the damage, right? And then you see we have our visible spectrum, and then you have red at the bottom, and you have redder than red or infrared, right? Not infrared, 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 and that's, again, wavelengths that are now too slow for us to see. And we know that infrared exists because of why? Yep, we're getting there. We're getting there. But yeah, so pit vipers, fun fact, pit vipers see in infrared, so they can see heat, all that kind of stuff. If you've ever wondered, like, how do they know? Maybe we don't run into pit vipers a lot, but don't run into pit vipers because they can see infrared. Uh, we, we know that bumblebees can see in, in ultraviolet, which is pretty cool, right? But us, if we're, if we're too close to, like, a coil on a stove, you know, it glows red, right? That's actually infrared, very low doses of that. And then we finally get into this guy named um, Samuel Pierpoint Langley, you should thank him, because if you've ever done this thing like a microwave dinner, yeah, he took light and he passed it through a prism and found out that these infrared radiation levels that we can't see actually make things hot. Ding! And your food's done. Now, hundreds of years later, that's a great thing. We've only really known about these, these anything outside of the visible light spectrum for about the last 200 years, not even since 1800 all right, it's been a, been a point when they finally discovered that there is light outside of our visible spectrum. And then we develop things like the x-ray. If you've ever broken something, that's coming pretty handy for you, right? You're like, oh my gosh, where's he going? Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. See, it took a lot of convincing for those ultraviolet and those infrared and all those different lights on the spectrum that we can't see. It took a lot of convincing for people to actually think that they existed, right? Because why? You can't see them, but they're actually there. And it's hard for them. Now it's like easy. We take that for granted. We read these books. We're like, yeah, ultra, ultraviolet. Yeah. yeah, microwaves. Yeah, I get that. Infrared. You know, they see it on the cameras and you know, some special op forces stuff and see an infrared, right? So it's like, yeah, it's there. It's a given. But why is it sometimes so hard for us to make a jump to, to believe in a God that necessarily we can't see. Oh, infrared, yes, that's real. God, ah. You see, when God made the light, he spoke it into being. The star we call the sun emits all of those wavelengths 
of light at the same time. The gamma, the x-ray, the ultraviolet, the visible spectrum, and, and so forth. And when you see the sun from space, you know what color it is? It's white. Real nice bright light because our atmosphere filters and diffuses some of those other harmful rays. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to this point, but for me, this is a groundbreaking thing. And again, maybe I just was sleeping through science class or I just didn't have that science teacher, but light is energy. Y'all know that? Is that a given? This is just a given? Okay. Light is energy. And I think sometimes in our, in our power-driven culture, we can get too used to it. It's not, it's not energy. It's a, it's a switch. I flip on or I flip off. And we have light switch faith as well. We come on Sunday morning, flip it on, leave, flip it off. And that's kind of how we, we operate. But light is energy. And this is going to be real important for us this morning because light is energy. Say it with me now. Light is energy. And if you've ever wondered about like, well, why couldn't someone stand in the presence of God? All right? Is he just so bright? Yes, and. Light is energy, right? Can anyone stand in the presence of a 5,000 kiloton nuclear bomb? No. There's too much what? Energy. There's too much energy. And this verse that we're getting ready to go back to in John 8, when you, re- when you go back and you think about light being energy and, and the spectrum of wavelengths and the things that we can see and the things that we can't see and this great design drawn out from us at creation, it takes on a completely different turn. So let's read John chapter 8 again, verse 12. And I want you to substitute, instead of the word light, let's put what light is also, and it's what? Energy. All right, y'all are tracking with me here. Okay, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Let's try that. You ready? I am the what energy of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the energy of life. And when you think about what Jesus came to do and who Jesus is and who Jesus is meant to be for us, it's really hard for us to kind of keep this brain. Oh, he's a light. Yay! When we do again, we do the Christmas Eve thing. We hold up the candles. But what does that really mean for Jesus to dwell within us and be the light within us and for us to be the light in the world? It's not necessarily thinking about light bulbs, right? Energy. Because light is energy. We're meant to be the, the energy of all grace, of all truth in the world. We're meant to, we're meant to be the, the energy. The positive momentum that's showing who Jesus is. And He's supposed to be the energy that's giving us another day. That's giving us an opportunity to be like, yeah, this is going to be a good day. I don't care what yesterday was because no darkness can overcome this light. Because what's inside of me is like a, it's like a Jesus energy, right? It inhabits us. It, it dwells within us. It fuels us. Because light is energy. And if we have the light of Jesus Christ in us, That's why Christians who really are walking with Jesus can do things that seem impossible, can can have peace despite a death in the family, can have faith to step out in a really awkward situation because they're following the path that Jesus set out for them. You see, Jesus is just the visible spectrum, if you will, part of a triune God. He's the, he's the, he's, we can see some things and we can't see some things, but we have that visible spectrum where you and I are taking in all this information and Jesus is that visible spectrum part of a triune God for us. That's the part, that's the Jesus, that's the God that we can see. 
that actually lived, that actually walked, that actually spoke, that actually drank and ate food, slept, worked, walked, cracked jokes, got angry at people, righteously, hung on a cross. That guy lived, breathed, died. Yeah, he was real. That's the visible spectrum part of our triune God. So when we're talking about this, this energy, this light, I really want us to, to think about that. We're going to come full circle here in a few minutes. If we're going to talk about light, we can't avoid also talking about what? Darkness. Do you know what the definition of darkness is? It's just the absence of visible light, right? The absence of visible light. What's the darkest place you can think of? Anyone want to space? Yeah? There's actually a decent amount of light in space. You've got sun and the stars and a whole bunch of different things. Where? Bottom? Where is that? I heard it. Bottom of the ocean. See, just like our hearts, we don't have to go outside to find the darkness. We have to go deep, 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 deep down. You know, at 80 meters below the surface of the sea, there's only less than half of a percent of light that makes it through that much water. Let's go deeper. Let's go not 100 meters, not 500 meters. Let's go 2,000 meters deep. Yes, things can live down there. And yes, they're creepy. If you've ever seen, you know, if you Google like deep sea creatures, there's some weird, weird looking stuff down there, at least to us. And they have these weird angler fish things with the jaws that like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And little dangly lights. And the weird looking squid and fish that doesn't seem like it's from a completely alien world. Because when you go down that deep into that dark, there's some ugly things, right? And it's the same for each one of us. When we go deep, deep down enough, in each one of our hearts, there's some dark, ugly things. But there's an upside. A lot of those creatures down there, they do this thing called bioluminesce. And it's a chemical reaction inside of each one of them. Some of them have it, some of them don't. But this bioluminescent reaction creates light in an otherwise completely dark world, right? And these little creatures light up, float around, swim around. Look creepy, yeah, but some of them, some of them light up. You see, darkness, that deep, deep down, that darkness is sin. And I'm going to be real today. It's not just beating around a theological bush. Or I'm not going to sugarcoat things so that you buy my latest pastoral book in the church bookstore. I'm not that guy. We're not that place. We're not that people. I'm not going to beat around the bush either. You see, darkness is sin, but it's not just sin. It's death. Darkness in what should be a light-filled life is death. It's going to kill you. And it's eternal choice. Turn with me to Romans. Book of Romans. I thought about reading a shorter section of this, but we got enough time. And actually, it's a short chapter. I want to read Romans chapter 6. 
Paul's writing to the church in Rome. He says, what, what are we going to say then? Are we to continue in sin that, that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? That darkness. And we're supposed to be a light. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized also into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, leaving the darkness behind, following the light that Jesus is. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Don't let that darkness take away the light. Don't let that darkness creep in to where your light can't be seen. Don't allow that darkness to creep in and become your life, to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Remember that light that has come to the world, and the darkness cannot, like we read in John chapter 1, the darkness cannot overcome it. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law by grace? Does this mean that if I'm alive in the world and I know Jesus, I can let little amounts of darkness in and be okay? By no means, he says, nah. That's what Paul says there, nah. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And he's like, why is he talking about slaves? And he says, you know, I'm speaking in human terms, so you can understand it, right? Because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading into more lawlessness, in other words, that chain of darkness that got darker and got darker and got darker, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Follow that path that Jesus laid out for you. Here we go. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and at its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That's the cost of living Breathing, doing, being happy with darkness in your life. Just like light and darkness, there is one other factor that determines how things appear. Our eyes, right? 
visible spectrum, non-visible spectrum. How you see your world is just as important as the world you're trying to see, right? So remember that visible light spectrum? We had squigglies, and we have gamma rays, and x-rays, and and ultraviolet, and things we can't see. We have visible light spectrum, right? And then it goes down from violet and all those colors that we roid you if you know your little rainbow colors, right? And there are a few colors in that visible light spectrum that a decent percentage of the population have trouble with, namely red and green. And the rods and the cones in their eyes aren't synced right, and they distort and diffuse how the brain then interprets those colors. Anyone partially colorblind in here? Nope. Come on. Really? All right. You know someone who's colorblind, right? Guys, just put your hands up. Just, it's you. Mostly, <laughs> mostly guys are, are, are colorblind. And, but you know what the theological implications of this is? As far as the visible light spectrum is concerned, we're diving back into theology instead of um, science here. But you know what the theological result is? Basically, Christians today suffer from an acute case of colorblindness. You know, there could be light all around you. Jesus moving in your surroundings. Miracles are happening. Bills are getting paid. People are getting healed. Yes, it's at the hospital in those different places. And yes, it's through finances and those other things. But it's all His anyway, right? And so these are happening, these are happening, and we can, we can, it can be all around us. But if all you're looking at is darkness, then guess what? You're lost. This light that Jesus came to be in a dark world gets distorted and diffused like red-green color blindness. And even though He's supposed to shine and be vibrant hues of color in our life, the brightest spots in our life, We are fine with muted sepia tones or just black and white. We're comfortable with our spiritual colorblindness, if we're honest. Jesus has outlined our path, our road to take. He says, whoever follows me follows the light. Darkness cannot overcome. And he's laid out our path for us. Stop signs and red lights and green lights. But if you're partially red, green, colorblind, you're not going to see those moments of, hey, hold up or go in your faith. We've paid no attention and we wander back off into darkness. And His light that is supposed to shine in us gets the same colorblind treatment when we let it loose. And our world then gets a mediocre at-best impression of a bunch of people who don't really know the guy they are half-heartedly following that lived 2,000 years ago. There's a video going around on Facebook about this new type of glasses that were invented to help people with that red-green color blindness and other different kind of color blindness. And they put them on, and for the first time, it corrects the problem in their rods and cones inside their eyeballs. And they can see colors like they've never seen them before. You guys even anyone seen one of those videos? There's a bunch of them, actually. And these videos come out, and literally, people start crying. Because they've never seen like that before. They didn't know that those colors were even possible. There's a guy trying to buy you know, groceries or a plant or something. He's like, looking, he's like, what color is that? Like, it's purple. It's, that's purple. That's what purple is. I've always heard purple talked about, but I never knew what purple looked like until nine. And then he's like, you're wearing a purple shirt too? And he's like, oh, and he freaks out because he didn't know he was wearing a purple shirt. 
It was an identity he didn't know he had because he couldn't see the way he was supposed to. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I want to tie in one more little scientific point because it's going to rock your world. Back in 2009, Japanese scientists discovered that humans are bioluminescent from our metabolic reactions. Do you know that? We talked about those deep sea creatures, right? And those lights down there, you can see it, right? Because there's so much of it. The chemical they're producing it to such a level that we can see it in the visible light spectrum. Humans are naturally bioluminescent. Problem is, it's just a thousand times less than our human eyes can pick up in the visible spectrum. But now they've got cameras that can actually pick it up. And here's the fun fact. You know what? You glow. You know what's better? God created you to literally shine in this world. Even if you can't see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16-18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by, day by day. By what? How is it being renewed day by day? From, from, from what? From light, from the energy that Jesus is inside. Inside we're being renewed. I'm an I'm a, I'm a energizer bunny for Jesus inside. Going tick, 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 a thousand moments, right? Renewed day by day. Doesn't matter if my body's falling. Doesn't matter if my, my, my weight is not what it should be. Doesn't matter if I have an ailment or brain cancer. Inside, I'm being renewed day by day. By day, by day. Because I've got an energy inside me that's fueling that. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I like the NIV. I'm still getting used to the ESV on this. But for what is seen is temporary, right? But what is unseen is eternal. Now think about that. You were created to glow. You were literally created to be a light in a dark world, even if you can't see it. And today it's time to fix our eyes on what is unseen. The eternal, the life to the fullest, the light of Jesus Christ. You see, there is a deep sea darkness right outside these doors. There may be what seems like 2,000 meters deep of junk and ugly creatures inside of you this morning. There is a whole ecosystem in this world that knows nothing but darkness, that desperately needs to see your bioluminescence for God. They need, to, they need you to put Jesus in their visible spectrum where they can see it. Because they might have a colorblind issue with faith. And there's only one way you can do that. Live it. Live it. Be the light of the world like we talked about last week. Live this ultraviolet faith out and share Jesus with that coworker that you know 
you've just been putting off. He sits in the cubicle right next to you, and you say, hey, Joe, how's your day? Oh, my day's going good. Oh, great, do you watch the Patriots game? Yeah, okay, great, cool, have a good weekend. There's eternal ramifications for that. If you don't buy a luminous, be the light of the world for God. It's his eternity. What about that neighbor you drive by every day? Hey, Jane, how are you? I'm good. Walking the kid, walking the kid, walking the dog, walking the dog. Did you see that new bogo they got at Publix? Yes, yeah, fantastic. Okay, great. Bye-bye. <laughs> Eternal ramifications for that. We need to use every opportunity we can to interact, be a positive force and energy in our community that the world needs to see in their visible spectrum. Be that light in a dark world. Because light is energy, right? So be that energy. Be, be a Jesus energy in our community. Be, be a movement. Be, be a push. Despite obstacles or inconveniences, like maybe it's tossed me four more minutes in line to talk to this person. I might feel weird. They might not like me. All of those things don't matter, right? Not when you know Jesus and that energy's going inside of you. Be a push, a movement, a force for love, a statement for truth, a power for grace, and a bold, I have the light of Jesus and no darkness can bring me down, energy. Our community needs that. Your heart this morning may need that. Maybe you've been living in a world of darkness and you know there's some things that are existing down inside of you that you just need to let go of today. There's some ugly creatures down in your dark that you're not proud of. And eventually, all of those things are going to come to light. Doesn't matter if you hide them, doesn't matter if you don't. See, Jesus sees our hearts. Despite the darkness in us, He said, you know what, I love them so much, I'm going to come, I'm going to die for each one of them so that their darkness can be wiped away and that they can be brought into my light. And this energy that I created from the beginning when I spoke the universe into existence can also dwell within them and then we dwell together for eternity. So I want. Be with us. Be the light of the world. Let's pray.